Welcome to The Front Row. My name is Jeff Fellenzer. This podcast grew out of my sports business media class at the University of Southern California. I'm excited about bringing to you the stories of the journeys, the journeys of some of the most interesting, compelling, noteworthy newsmakers in the world of sports business and sports media. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the latest edition of the Front Row Podcast. My guest is New York Jets quarterback Sam Darnold. I wondered what it was like for a barely 21-year-old rookie quarterback to be leading a huddle of grown men 10 years older. And how exactly did a chill California kid from San Clemente develop a New York state of mind 3,000 miles from home during a promising but rocky season? He played his best game against Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, fared pretty well against Tom Brady and the New England Patriots, but ultimately lost both games. Sam Darnold's professional journey has just started, but he's already come a long way thanks to rare natural talent, solid family values, natural leadership skills, and a burning desire to win. Hope you enjoy From the Beach to Broadway. It's really cool to welcome my former student, former USC quarterback, current New York Jets quarterback, Sam Darnold. Uh, Sam, so good to have you back on campus here at USC. Right. I mean, <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, I just got dropped off and, uh, yeah, I just, I mean, I didn't have that much time to be able to check out everything that is new. I'm sure there's some new buildings that went up, uh, while I've been, while I've been gone for the last year. Uh, but, um, no, it's awesome to be, to be back, to be able to see some of the students here. And, um, there's still just every time you step on this campus, there's kind of just a buzz and, um, just of energy and, and people wanting to just, I mean, it sounds cliche, but really everyone here wants to get better at something. And I think that's the coolest thing about being here is just that buzz and that energy that you feel, you know, immediately when you step foot on campus. You know, and, and today is a special day because it's National Signing Day. And it was almost, it was four years ago, minus one day, it was actually four years ago yesterday on February 5th that you signed your letter of intent with USC. Um, take us back to that, to that day. I mean, signing ceremony hats. I mean, how, how, did you, how did you actually officially, um, register in and, and become a Trojan? Yeah. So for me, it wasn't, I was never going to try to pull any tricks or do anything like that. I mean, you know who I am. It, I'm yeah. just straight up, just sign the paper. All right. Let me, you know, figure out what's next. Let me, um, just do my thing and let me figure out, you know, you know, what classes am I going to take at USC and figure it out? But for me, I think National Signing Day was, you know, it was an incredible day. You know, just that feeling of, all right, you know, I'm going. And for me especially, it was, USC was my dream school. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. many people know that and um, it's well documented, but um, it's, it's tough to put into words, you know, how exciting uh, it really was for me to be able to sign with my dream school and um, to be able to see players like Reggie Bush, Matt Leinert, um, Matt Barkley, I mean, the list goes on and on. Carson Palmer, uh, just like these players play um, the sport that I grew up watching and for the team that I loved watching. And now all of a sudden I'm about to be a part of that. And uh, for me, it was just something, something so cool to, to just know that I was signing, um, you know, that letter to, to, to be able to um, continue school at the University of Southern California. But also for me, it was, I mean, football, it was you know, a dream to play college football. And um, I knew that I was going to have to compete. Uh, you know, there there were a lot of questions about, you know, why I'd committed there. There had already been a quarterback that committed. And 
there were, you know, a couple great quarterbacks in front of me. And, you know, I just, I knew that I was going to, you know, at the end of the day, wherever I went, I was going to have to compete. And I think, at, you know, for me, it was just following my, you know, just following my heart and continuing to try to live out my dream and play, play quarterback for USC. And, um, I did it and, um, you know, I only did it for really a year and three quarters, mm-hmm, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um, I really had fun doing it. And, um, you know, I, I've, you know, I look back sometimes on, you know, the season that I had, you know, the seasons that I had here at USC. Um, but then I also, I, I, I fail to kind of look back as far as na- national signing day. And when I do think about that, it's just, it's insane to see like how far I've come, but at the same time, how much more I have to grow and, um, that it was really only, you know, four, four years ago, um, which is insane. So, mm-hmm. um, it feels like it was like 10 years ago, but. Well, so rewinding, um, as you said, you, you, you kind of went against the grain in a couple of ways in that, uh, a five-star quarterback, Ricky town had, had already signed and was going to come in and, and, and play in the spring and be there for spring ball. Um, that didn't deter you. You signed anyway, decided not to start school until the summer. So he's not only a five-star and highly acclaimed, but, but he's even getting a head start. Um, what, what gave you the confidence to go through, to make the decision and know that even, even coming in a little later, which these days, almost the norm for quarterbacks is to come in as early as possible, immerse yourself in the playbook, made you think that it could still work out well for you. For sure. And, you know, that's a valid point. That was, that was brought up as well. You know, just, um, you know, going, not going early and, and wanting to play basketball and, you know, how important is football to this guy? You know, all those questions yeah. were being asked yeah. and, yeah. um, which are fair questions, sure. you know? Uh, but it was just, it was me again, just wanting to do things I wanted to do. And I knew that I wasn't going to play my true freshman year. I knew I was going to red shirt and I knew that I was going to have a whole year, year and a half to, to learn the offense, to learn the system. and um, you know, even, and I think, I think, I thank my parents for this. Uh, I would thank my parents for this, just, just letting me do what I want to do, mm-hmm. you know, and, and even back to Pop Warner, Little League Baseball, um, you know, AAU, just shooting, shooting hoops and having a good time. They always wanted me to do what I want to do. And, you know, even looking back, cause I was a three sport athlete, my freshman year of high school. I played baseball, basketball, and football. And after, you know, about halfway through uh, baseball season, my freshman year, I, I told my dad, listen, I don't, I don't know if I want to keep doing this. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I was, I played basketball season, then jumped right into baseball. But all those kids who were already on the team had been playing year round. And they had already had their lineup set. The coach for the freshman team had coached them the whole year. And it was just for me, it was like I had so much catching up to do. And that was one of the things where um, I was like, man, you know, halfway through the season, I was like, dad, I think I want to, I want to quit. Like, this is just not working out. And, um, and he was like, no, you're not going to quit. You know, we're, we're going to finish what we started. And it's like, okay, you know, uh, we'll see and we'll see how far this goes. And um, so sure enough, I, I kind of earn a, I ended up hitting well in practice and they, they bat me third and fourth. Um, depending on the game. Um, and then I ended up playing some right field, uh, but I was just pretty much there just to hit. And I had, you know, I had a pretty good year, a uh, pretty good last half of the season. And um, without my dad kind of guiding me there and saying like, hey, we don't quit, um, 
you know, that, that really showed me that, you know, always finish what you start. And I think, um, there's always, they did a great job because there's always that dichotomy of having your kid, uh, you want your kid to be free. You want him to, you know, him or her to learn kind of the freedoms of, you know, that they have as, you know, people in this world to be able to make their own choices. Um, but at the same time, you know, you also want to keep them, um, secure and also kind of teach them the right, the right ways. And, um, for me, I mean, my, my parents did a great job of that. And I think, um, I can't thank them enough for it. That's great guidance. And your, your mom, Chris had played volleyball at Long Beach city college and, and dad, Mike was a, was a player at Redlands an offensive lineman. I mean, so you had, you had, you had the sports, um, sensibilities within the family and, and just a good feel yeah. for their children. You and Frankie right. played a volleyball star at Rhode Island. Now as an assistant coach there. What great guidance. What great, <laughs> yeah. And my dad, uh, you know, I think he's a little disappointed. I didn't, you know, turn out a guard. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, no, I think, you know, just looking back on, I mean, it was, it was great guidance. And I think, um, you know, I think my parents don't get enough credit. Um, I mean, not that they would want it at all. Um, they would never do that or, you know, think that they need any credit, but man, it's, you know, obviously, <laughs> you know, literally and figuratively, I wouldn't be here without them. And it's just amazing to kind of see how they raised me and my sister. Right. My sister's doing great things. She's at the so at the University of Rhode Island, um, she's getting her master's right now in communications and then a gifted writer because um, I've exactly. seen some of her work. Yeah, she's she's a very gifted writer. Um, don't know exactly where she got that from, uh, as my parents like to say. So um, but she's a great writer and um, you know, it's just you know, just trying to figure out that next, you know, step in life and um but she's she's killing it right now at the University of Rhode Island and um finishing up there and, and trying to see if she can get you know, a great opportunity in the, in the real world, uh, which, which can be scary. Yeah. I, I, I want to, before we sort of continue with your journey in football, I did want to mention, um, your family and specifically, um, you lost your grandmother, uh, recently, um, on your mother's side, Betty Hammer, mm-hmm. um, who you had such a great relationship with and, and I knew her, um, attending the, frequenting the same hair salon in Los Alamitos and thought she was just such a sweetheart of a person, had a chance to um, uh, be part of the memorial service. I thought was really special. You got pretty emotional there talking about her (laughs) as, as, um, as your sister did and and the other grandkids. Um, But uh, what a, what a great celebration of life that was and what a great life she had. Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, you know, can't really say enough about her. I mean, what, what she was able to do, um, you know, raising my, you know, raising my mom, uh, and then, you know, kind of, you know, obviously raising the whole family, but, um, you know, it's, she's, she's a fighter, man. She's, she's incredible. You know, it, uh, um, it's, it's hard to explain, but she's just, she's a great person and it shows, you know, kind of in my mom, I think, you know, with the words that she was able to you know, and the fact that my mom like didn't even really have that hard of a time talking like I did, um, kind of shows, you know, kind of that fight and, um, you know, just that ability to not give up on anything and, um, know at the end of the day that, you know, everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. I think that's also something my parents taught me, um, you know, cause as a little kid and, um, you know, as a little kid, you might think, you know, um, you do something wrong and it's the end of the world. 
but it's like, hey, if you have a mindset of everything happens for a reason, you right. just continue to tell your kids that. Um, then they just continue that continues to flow through the mind as they go throughout their day. And um, I think that's really important to just continue to um, engrave that um, in in your kids. But um, yeah, I mean, she was she was an incredible person, um, and she will be missed, obviously. But I think she truly is in a better place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not not to get too deep into it, but um, she was just you know living alone. I mean, my my grandfather, um, Dick Hammer, was um, great story there just yeah, of his life. Yeah, and he passed away when I was two. Um, so she had been living, you know, in her house alone for 19 years. And, um, you know, I think she, you know, uh, might sound morbid, but I mean, I think she finally had enough, you know, I think she was getting lonely and just wanted to be, you know, in her happy place again. And I think, um, you know, she's, she's, you know, back up there with, with, uh, Gramsci and, you know, living a happy, you know, afterlife. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I, I think our whole family really got a ton of closure from that. Um, and yeah, you know, I did get really emotional. I wasn't planning on getting that, uh, that's, emotional, but I mean, that's just kind of shows how great of a person that, you know, granny was. She really touched you in so many ways. And, yeah. and, um, I think of the video tribute and seeing her in a Jets jersey when you were drafted <laughs> and when you played, she always yeah. <laughs> mentioned you and, you know, she mentioned you at a, I, I, I'm guessing it was probably middle school when I first heard about you and my grandson and, you know, I think he's a good athlete. And then he, you know, I think he's, um, he might be good enough to get a scholarship. And then, and then I think he, you know, he, he USC's recruiting. It went from one and then I yeah. look up and you're in my class as a freshman. <laughs> it was just like yeah, with Juju. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was just, um, so cool to see it all sort of, unfold the way it did but another thing i gotta tell you i was so impressed with sam was was meeting um you know the other um you know your cousins your your uh, your uncle's kids you know there were five there were five kids there that spoke about their grandmother you know you and frankie and and uh, aj um michelle um ally and you all played division one sports and you were all captains yeah that's that's pretty remarkable. Yeah, There's great and, leadership right there. And I hadn't even known that until you brought it up. Um, I mean, I knew we were, you know, we were good athletes and we all played D1 sports. And, um, but I think, I think the captain thing is, is something that, you know, Granny is, was super proud of. And I think that was what she was most proud of was kind of our character on and off the field or, you know, court or whatever. But um, I think that was, you know, that's definitely looking back. I mean, she was you know, definitely most proud of, you know, kind of our character and just how, how we carried ourselves. Sure. Because um, it didn't matter, you know, win, loss, or draw. We, we carried ourselves the same way. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's okay to be bummed out after a loss. You know, you should be. You know, you work so hard to win. And, you know, when you lose, it's, again, it feels like the end of the world. Um, but then when you have such great family and such great friends to um, just lean on in, in times of, you know, success or failure, it's, it, it makes it a lot easier. And I think granny, granny was kind of that rock in, you know, all of that, whether mm-hmm. it was failure or success. Um, it's kind of funny when, again, back to your journey, most quarterbacks are, you know, you read about, you know, groomed to be a quarterback. They're playing with a football in, in their crib, you know, and practice from the day they were born <laughs> and you, you weren't, you didn't start at, San Clemente until your junior year, you were playing linebacker and a little receiver, I think as a sophomore. Yeah. 
So why wouldn't you have naturally gravitated the quarterback, given the skill set we see now, the arm, the ability to extend plays? Did that come later? Or uh, Yeah, I mean, for me, um, I loved just going out. So we didn't really have a huge backyard. So we played in the front yard and um, with all my neighbors, they love, we kind of were the same age, you know, a couple of years difference, but um, we all love just like playing sports, you know, shooting hoops in the front yard, um, you know, throwing the football around. And I think for me, you know, um, throwing the football, um, I think, you know, my neighbors would tell you like right from the get, I was, I was pretty good at it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't receive any, you know, coaching or, um, any of the, you know, quarterback guru, uh, you know, help or anything until kind of my junior year of high school. So up until that point, I had not known exactly what a quarterback coach even did. Um, for me, and I still am to this day, and when I'm, when I'm not playing the game for the love of the game, then that's when I'll stop playing. But I think that's, um, you know, playing receiver, playing linebacker. I was going to do anything to get on the field. It didn't matter what it was. Um, how I got, it didn't matter at all. I was going to get on that field and, and I wanted to play and help my team win. And um, so for me, it was, we had a senior quarterback. Um, he had been kind of in line behind Travis Wilson who ended up playing at the University right, of Utah. Right, Having a good career there. Yes. And um, and so, you know, there was <clears throat> that guy, um, Sean Donnelly, uh, mm -hmm. who's actually a really good friend of mine. Um, he was kind of waiting behind Travis. And then, you know, Travis graduates and now it's Sean's senior year. And it's time to go. Um, and he's you know, he, he's a great quarter. He was a great quarterback in high school. Um, and we were all looking forward to having a great season. And this is your junior, um, my sophomore, sophomore, year, year. sophomore year. Um, and so I'm like, all right, you know, here we go. Um, don't know what's going to happen right now. I'm the backup quarterback, nothing else. Um, and then, you know, coach, coach Jaime Ortiz, uh, comes up to me. He's like, Sam, like, we want you to start playing linebacker and, and start, you know, running some routes at receiver and, you know, we'll see which one you're better at and we'll put you there. And um, so sure enough, I mean, I'm, you know, just kind of practicing, doing my thing. And, um, for me, I've always kind of been that guy where like, man, I want to get on the field as a quarterback. Uh, mm. you know, that's, that's what I want to do. I want to be able to get the ball in my hands every single play and, and, um, spin the rock and, you know, kind of have, you know, the game at my fingertips. And, um, you know, when, <clears throat> but when I got on the field as a receiver, I saw the field from a different perspective that I think in turn helped me as a quarterback. And I think it also goes the same when I was playing linebacker. I was, you know, kind of understanding exactly what a defender would think, what a defender would think like and what he would think about during the play, you know, before the play. Um, so I started to get kind of, you know, I think, I think that really did help me, um, you know, grow as a quarterback. And um, yeah, so, I mean, and then, you know, later in the year, Sean Donnelly, this, this senior quarterback who was having a good year, ends up, you know, getting hurt. Um, he broke his clavicle, I think. And, uh, you know, I stepped in and, you know, did pretty well the last couple games and um, started my junior year and then only played two and a half games. Uh, right. <laughs> ended up breaking my foot in that third game. And um, that was actually right after Nick Pasquale passed away. And so that was a whole, right. um, you know, that was a lot of adversity that I had to deal with at a young age. And, um, so it was, uh, <laughs> it was pretty crazy. Um, kind of, you know, looking back, um, I took, I took it one step at a time. Um, but looking back, it is a pretty crazy story now that I think about it. And, um, you know, with passing of Nick and then I break my foot, um, 
you know, I think without my parents, without my friends, I, I, I wouldn't have been able to, you know, I wouldn't have been able to get through that. Time. Right. And, and Nick Pasquale for, for, uh, yeah. the, the listeners was a, uh, former San Clemente wide receiver, was a walk on at UCLA and was considered a inspiration there to teammates at UCLA coaches and obviously the San Clemente yeah. program and, and tragically killed, um, uh, hit by a car. So boy, those are tough things to, Absolutely. Like you said to get through at a young age. Absolutely. And it's, and, a, and it's a very close knit community too. Oh, for sure. For sure. San Clemente's, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to explain. Uh, it really is. Uh, it's just, it's a community. So, so Orange County, everyone thinks of Orange County. They think of Laguna Beach, Newport, kind of that crowd. And, right. Um, and I have a bunch of friends that live there, so I know, you know, they wouldn't care if I say this, but, um, <laughs> it's kind of, you know, when people think of Orange County, they think of rich, um, you know, kids that kind of, um, grew up spoiled and private all schools. this stuff, private school, going, if you're a quarterback, you go to modern day and you play there and, um, which, you know, Lionheart Barkley, you know, now JT did that. And, um, that was kind of the, what you do. And, um, for me, you know, growing up in South Orange County, as South Orange County as you can get right, right before you hit Camp Pendleton, um, and then hit San Diego, we have San Clemente. And it's kind of just this town that's almost closed off, I feel like. You know, it's, it's just special. And the people inside that town are, you know, um, it's, it's, it's really special. And, and people, and this is the really cool thing about San Clemente, is like they don't care who you are. Right. Um, you know, I have, um, I've become friends with Kolohe and Dino. He's a pro surfer. Um, and he's from San Clemente. And um, we always just talk about how amazing the town is. And we talk about, how amazing it is because um, it doesn't matter if you're Chloe Handy, you know, it doesn't matter if you're Sam Darnold, if, you know, you don't treat people with respect, you're not going to get respect in return. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that is just something that's, that's really, um, that's very valuable in, in relationships and community. I, I like that. Uh, one of the things you wrote down as one of your life goals in ninth grade, be remembered as the nice one. Yeah. That's, <laughs> uh, yeah. and I say that often talking about sort of, Keys to success, mm. uh, life lessons. My dad, stuff. I think that stems Treat from, people well. I exactly. Mean, and it stems from my, my dad. You know, he would always tell us, be nice and the rest will take care of itself. Um, and treat others the way you want to be treated. Right. I think that those two go hand in hand. And, um, you know, it's a lot easier said than done sometimes. Well, and I was going to ask <laughs> but, you about that in that, um, is it hard to do that when you're in a major metropolis, the number one media market yeah. in the world, in New York, and you've got, I mean, the fan base crazy mm -hmm. the sports fans for professional sports uh crazy uh it, probably a few challenges here yeah. and there to to it's, doing that to it's very crazy and so what i've found out the last you know kind of year and a half as i've been going through becoming a pro and all that stuff is there's a lot of people who want your signature um not little kids but there's a lot of guys that want your signature to, to be able to sell mm -hmm. and you know sometimes they'll find me at like the airport and I'm like, how did you even know my flight was going to land? And there's like four of them waiting outside. And it's just like, you guys leave me alone. I'm not signing. Um, and then they'll pull the stunt like, Oh, like I'm not here because I'm going to sell it. Like I I'm, I'm a true fan. And you know, my kid probably doesn't even have a son. He's like, my kid is a huge fan. Um, can you sign it to him? And, and so it's just, um, you know, it's, it's hard because sometimes you want to, you want to yell at those, you want to tell them to, you know, F off, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. and it, it really is frustrating to, 
to be able to, you know, kind of separate those guys and from from the people who actually like. Well, that's what I was going to ask. You just have to. Is it kind of a feel thing of where? Yeah, you just... I think it is. But you know, for me, um, and you know, my marketing team, because uh, <laughs> you know, they tell me not to not to sign the stuff that I think will be sold, um, because you know, in turn that you know, decreases the value of my signature. I mean, there's a whole thing that we could go into, but, right. um, but it's true. And, and so they sometimes, you know, during, especially early on in my rookie year and before my rookie year during the draft process, uh, my marketing team was like, Sam, like, you're too nice to these guys. Like, why are you, <laughs> why are you signing these, uh, these cards for these people that are going to go sell? I was like, well, if, you know, he tells me that it's for his son, I'm like, my natural instinct is to be like, oh, okay, no way. Yeah, let me sign it. And it's literally like two seconds out of my day, which to an actual little kid who wants my signature might mean the world. Right. And it's, it's so easy to do. It's so easy to sign something for someone. And um, it's just when, when people are, you know, kind of, uh, you know, selling it or, mm-hmm. you know, um, which I, I get, you know, there's a ton of other things that go into it, but I get that people, need to make a living as well but it's like come on guy right like let's go um let's you know let's save that signature for the little kid that that wants it and you know it's just there's so many different things that you kind of experience in this world of being a professional athlete um and and really what i've figured out is all people sometimes can see is that one run-in that you might have with that person and that's what i've really figured out like okay like i'm just gonna be nice to everyone and mm-hmm. because that's who I am, truly mm-hmm. um, and honestly, that's who I am. And um, you know, some and so I've been getting better at trying to say no to these guys. And so at the airport the other day, uh, this guy comes up to me, and I can t- he's with a group of you know guys mid forties, you know, just have a bunch of footballs in their hands waiting to be signed. I'm like, guys, you know what? I'm 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 really sorry, but I have a contract with this um, you know merchandise company and. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm working with them, and I'm sorry, I'm not allowed to sell anything, or to, I'm not allowed to sign anything. And uh, he just, you know, he he starts saying, like I said before, he's he's like, oh man, like this is how you treat your fans. Like started to, wow. And so I kind of okay. laid I laid into him a little bit, you know, and I think that was the right place and time to do that. Uh, and so mm-hmm. I try to, you know, I try to be nice to everyone, but if someone's gonna, you know, I'm I'm still I'm still human, and sure. you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know, fight the fight. And <laughs> if someone wants to do that, um, not get physical, but you know, um, it's just, it's, it's a crazy world and, um, professional sports is a whole, whole different world than, you know, what I experienced in college, sure. even being in LA. So you mentioned air, speaking of airports, you were in and out of Atlanta <laughs> recently. The Super Bowl was, was last weekend. What was your first Super Bowl experience? Was that the first Super Bowl that you had attended? I know you ended up yeah. And we'll talk about the act, the game itself, and how you watched it. But that was your first Super Bowl experience. What was it like? Yeah, the week. Yeah, so um, Super Bowl was awesome. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> it's really just a huge party mm-hmm. uh, for people. You mm-hmm. know, the, the few days before the Super Bowl, and and um, there's those times when you're you know in between having fun and going to events and doing all this, all these really cool things. I got there Wednesday. I was there till Sunday morning, uh, until I left right before the game. And, you know, as you said, we'll get into that, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just nonstop. I mean, we were out super late every night. Um, 
having a good time and then you know we would have to wake up and do events and um be on top of it you know be on live interviews be on um ESPN all these things and um but for me um before the draft I actually did the Super Bowl as well um I didn't go to the game just like I didn't this year um but last year was insane cuz I did uh radio was it radio row radio row um, right which is I think it's four or five hours of just nonstop interviews, mm-hmm. uh, which mm-hmm. is uh, which is kind of insane. Test your patience, being nice to everyone. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And uh, so um, the whole draft process, first of all, and the combine and all that will definitely test your patience. Yeah. Um, that is an experience, hopefully, that I will never have to experience again. Um, it was insane, uh, very tiring. And I think, you know, um, I think there's a reason that no rookie quarterback has ever won the Super Bowl, and it's a long year. Right, right after you get done playing college, you're uh, you're on it. You know, you start training. Um, you're testing your body. You're testing your mind. We're going over protections. Uh, you know, di- we're trying to learn an offense. Jordan Palmer's a great, great quarterback coach right. out out in Orange County, and um, you know, to get us ready, to get us prepped, he, he teaches us a whole offense that he learned um, when he was in the league. So. Um, we're learning a whole offense. We're going through it, and um, man, it's it's exhausting. Right. And and uh, you know, on top of that, to to try to, um, and I'm not making excuses. It, I had a great time during the year, and I felt like I was I was able to play at you know a, a top level, um, especially there you know at the at the latter half of the season, um, I was able to kind of play at a higher level um, than I did at the, at the first half, and. Um, but I think it was in due, I think it was really due to, you know, kind of the break that I had in the, you know, in the middle of the year there, because I was able, um, as we mentioned earlier, my grandmother passed away. Um, and that was right when I hurt my foot, uh, mid foot sprain. And I was like, man, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. And I think those three, four weeks I was hurt. Um, I was able to kind of clear my mind and, and get back to what I knew best, who I was, you know, connect with friends and family. Um, you know, since I wasn't preparing for a game those weeks, I was able to FaceTime. I was able to FaceTime my family and FaceTime my friends and just catch up with people who I haven't in a while. Um, and I was also able to watch a great veteran in Josh McCown, mm-hmm. um, you know, practice and, and, and walk through the way a true pro quarterback should. Mm-hmm. And um, I think with, with all that being said, I was able to have a lot better second half of the season and and i think it was in due uh i think it was due to kind of the uh you know the rest that i got in the middle of the season and um not unlike a pitcher that might hurt his arm do something like during the exactly. year and you feel like maybe he can extend a little further into the season or postseason because he hasn't right piled up as many innings no exactly and i think i think there's something to be said for rest um tom brady um tries to sleep 10 hours a night um, clear his head and um, you know for me being a rookie trying to watch as much tape as I as I could at most I'd probably get you know seven hours a night at most um, usually less than that though and mm-hmm. so I think for me going into the second year um, it starts this off season with with rest recovery um, you know I'm gonna get after I'm gonna do the things I need to do to get faster stronger all that stuff but yeah. um, you know mentally take a take a little bit of a rest um, and then you know in uh you know when we're back for OTAs in April um in mini camp and 
you know, all that. And we start to get into it. And then June, July, we kind of have off as well. Um, we have a month and a half off, I think around there. And, um, that's when I'm really going to, you know, push my body and rest my mind. Um, so I think, you know, there's a lot of planning that goes into it. Um, but I think it's, it's, it'll definitely be helpful. Um, not having to go through that, that, you know, long, long stretch of, um, combine, uh, interviews, which you have to be on for all the time. Uh, so now that chapter is definitely behind you. <laughs> um, I did, we, we touched on leadership a little bit when mentioning about you and, um, and your family and all the, the captains and, and, you know, and, and the highest level in D1 sports. So we, we saw another example of great leadership in the Super Bowl with Tom Brady at age 41 winning, um, sixth, um, <laughs> which is just Insane. seems crazy. Yeah. You have a, 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 a bit of an up close and personal um, opportunity being in the same division. Um, what, first of all, what, what, what have you learned, if anything ab about leadership, watching him play, yeah. watching him carry himself? So he's very stoic. Um, and I think it's important. Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily you don't need to be stoic to, to be a good quarterback. I don't believe that. I mean, there's, there's different, different ways, ways to lead. Right. Um, and I think that's, that's key, uh, to knowing that, but it's the way he carries himself. I mean, um, it's so it sucks watching him from the sideline, just continue to tear up your defense. Um, and there's nothing you can do about it. You're just sitting there on the sideline and this dude who can barely move, he's 40, 41 years old. Um, 41. And he's just, he's out there like moving at a snail's pace and he is just, but the thing about the Patriots is so they don't hurt themselves at all. Mm -hmm. They don't, they don't really, they don't have any penalties ever. Yeah. And don't beat themselves. Um, yeah. And so they'd be in a first and 10. Um, they get to second, second and eight, seven, six area. And then all of a sudden uh, they have a good run or, you know, they just dump it off to Edelman and, or Gronk, and, you know, they're in a third and three, third and four. They stay in manageable down distances, and then all of a sudden, you know, um, you know, if a team plays too high, if they want to take away Gronk or Edelman, they'll just run the ball for three yards, easy three yards. Um, and then if they want to play one high, try to stop the run, they're going to try to use Gronk and Edelman and, and uh, you know, beat, beat them with speed, beat them with uh, um, just with quickness off the, off the line. And um, for Tom, he just moves the chains, and that's why, you know, for you didn't, you weren't able to see Kansas City. You weren't able to see the Rams get in a rhythm at all offensively, and that's due to Tom Brady staying on the field and continuing to have long, long drives where every single set of every single you know when they move the chains, every single set of downs, um, he would always take it to third down, always unless they have a big play. It would always take it to third and three, and then you're like. You know, you hear Tony Romo, this is going to be a huge stop for the Rams if they can get it. And then, you know, they move <laughs> yeah. the chains every single time. And um, it's like clockwork now. I mean, and that's, that's, the, uh, that's the advantage of playing 19, 20 years in the league. You know, it's, you begin to figure teams out. You begin to figure defensive coordinators like Wade Phillips out when you've seen him for the 10th time. Right. Um, so it's just there's a lot of things that come, come with it. But I think for Tom, it's just um, his leadership is – I mean, what he's able to do on the field is leadership. What he's able to do on the field and perform at a high level, I think that speaks um, great volumes about his leadership um, because you can just tell that guys like Edelman and Gronk trust him so much. Sure. 
you, you must have felt uh, like putting, trying to put yourself in Jared Goff's shoes, the, the idea of going up against that, that, um, right. that great Patriots um, dynasty, that franchise. Uh, a guy at that age, that young age, um, three years into the league and going against Brady and Belichick. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was, and, and you never know too, the idea of the extra week of rest, if that probably helps a team with experience. That's another week of nerves for somebody that's on the, that stage the first time. Yep. Uh, but the game, the game at least was close. Something that I think for the Rams to build on. For sure. Holding Brady down <laughs> pretty well. Yeah. yeah. But, um, uh, but I mean, I wonder if you looked at yet a young quarterback and Jared Goff and, and thought about yourself and, and, you know, being able to get to that stage. Absolutely. And, um, I think one of the big things for, for Goff and McVay was, um, McVay was always able to communicate with Jared. Um, you know, cause, cause the mic, um, in your helmet, it doesn't stop until it doesn't cut off until the 15 second on the play clock. And so what the Patriots, at least what it looked like to me, um, were doing was right after the 15 second mark, Dante Hightower, whoever was leading the defense would change the defense completely. Mm-hmm. And, um, so Goff was out there reading the defense by himself and I think, um, caused a lot of confusion for him. Um, but also caused a lot of confusion for McVay too. I mean, he, he was trying to figure it out. And, um, but yeah, I think being a young quarterback is something that, you know, um, Tom and, and Bill Belichick, you know, they kind of lick their chops at. Right. And, um, it was so interesting during, uh, I found it super interesting. I mean, during the, um, during the whole, all the interviews during the Super Bowl, um, with Tom and Belichick, I felt like they were, I felt like they were smiling more than they would for a normal Super Bowl. And and I'm not saying that they weren't taking it seriously, but I almost felt like they already won the game. And um, it, I thought that was a very interesting this thing that I noticed. Um, Good observation, because I'm thinking about it too, and you're right. I saw Belichick smiling, smiling more. It was weird. Yeah. And I was like, what is, this isn't Belichick. Like, what? <laughs> is it, did they already win? Like, this is what I was saying. And then, Tom was, you know, having more fun than he usually did. He was joking with fans and, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, maybe it's comfort in knowing that it's your, what is it? Ninth Super Bowl that they have ever been to. So right. maybe it's that, but no, I've, I mean, I think they, they were very confident in their ability to go out there and win, win that game. Nine of the last 20 Super Bowls involved the Patriots. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, so you played against Brady in your last game of the season mm-hmm. in Foxborough. And that was a week after you had what seemed to be, at least statistically, your best game. And that was against Aaron Rodgers. So Rodgers and Brady back-to-back weeks. Did you have to, did you have to guard against, um, you know, just <laughs> being a little bit in awe of where you were? Yeah, and, well, yeah, I think. Was it hard to focus sometimes or? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's. You know, definitely, you know, because when you get on the sideline after a drive, you have those blue laptops and, you know, usually you want, you look at every single thing and I did, but I'm not going to lie, you know, when Rogers and Brady were out there, I was going through the blue laptop a little faster uh, <laughs> so I could get through it so I could watch him. Um, um, but, you know, just, I look back on that Green Bay game and look at so many different ways we could have won. I mean, we were up by so much um, at halftime and then. You know, sure enough, Rogers is like, 
I think somewhere in you know that halftime area, third quarter, he was like, I'm not going to let this rookie beat me. What am I doing? And he just went off. And I mean, Devontae Adams had great games and um, had a great game. So, uh, and then just playing Brady. I mean, I, I kind of already talked to you about that, but that was just, you know, just watching him on the field was, um, it was special to watch. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's, you're witnessing greatness and there's nothing like it. Um, you know, people talk about, I don't know if you've been able to watch Michael Jordan live at a, at a real game. I mean, I have. people have said there's, there's nothing like it. Um, being able to sit up close, watch Kobe play, watch, yep. watch LeBron. I mean, um, there's just something different about those guys and there's kind of that, that almost aura around them. And, um, and it's, it's pretty cool to, it's a spectacle. It's just, it's cool to watch, but at the same time, when I get back on there on the field, I'm playing the Packers defense, I'm playing the Patriots defense. You know, it's not, I'm not going, I'm not truly playing Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. Um, and I think that's something that a lot of quarterbacks say, um, when they ask, you know, oh, are you ready to play Aaron Rodgers? Are you ready to play Tom Brady? But, you know, you can't help but think about the other guy on the sideline um, when you're looking at the jersey of, you know, a Packer or, you know, a Patriot on the other side. What, what did they, what did you guys say after the game? I mean, there's always that couple of, <laughs> couple of seconds. What, yeah. what, what, what uh, after the, first after the, the game against the Packers and yeah. Aaron, did you guys connect? <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, we did. Uh, you know, I, I just said, hey, good game, man. Uh, I was pissed, you know, after the loss because it was, you know, the OT win. And, um, you know, they won the coin toss. And sure enough, I didn't get a chance. But Hate the um, rule, by the way. Hate the rule. You know, yeah, I think I think what they need to do is um, just keep it the same. But um, but I think you should be able to come back after a touchdown, too. Why the coin flip would have that much importance doesn't make a lot of sense yeah, to me. Uh, yeah, I think you still do the coin flip. but. You know, if you score a touchdown, the other team can come right back and score. And if they don't, then they don't deserve a win. Um, but anyways, so, <laughs> um, but yeah, what were we talking so, about? So he comes yeah. up. So you guys, you said good game. You said yeah. So I was like, yeah, good game, man. Uh, good game. Uh, and I think that was really it. I was trying to play it cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, good game. Um, and he was like, all right, man, like seeing the, seeing the off season. And, you know, that was something that was caught on camera and people were like, oh, yeah, they're going to see him and all this stuff. And um, so that's another thing is like after after games, when you're when you're talking to the other quarterback, um, you know, you just you got to be aware of everything you're saying, um, just because like, you know, that's a whole nother thing that you that you need to deal with. If, sure. if you say something that um, catches people's attention. So um, he said that and, you know, I had to answer questions like, oh, are you actually going to see him in the offseason? Like. I'm, I'm sure I will, uh, you know, like he lives in San Diego and, um, I know he mentioned maybe throwing together, but you know, I, <laughs> it was like, I don't know, uh, we'll figure it out when it comes. And so, and, and what then, about with Brady? Yeah. And then with Brady, I really tried to play it cool because right? I was a huge <laughs> Brady fan growing up. Uh -huh. Um, I just said, uh, I just said, man, respect you a lot. Uh, good game, man. And, uh, just said good luck in the postseason. And that was pretty much it. He said, good game. And, you know, I think the thing with Brady is he doesn't give anything to anyone. You know, he's not going to give you too much of a compliment, but he's going to say, hey, good game. Uh, but that was it. And he ran off on the field, security around him, people, ah. And, you know, it was it was literally like I was, you know, watching TV, <laughs> you know, after after a game that he won. So it was like, man, you know, I can't wait. Hopefully he plays next year so I get a chance to beat him um, is what I was thinking. Um, you feel like 
real competitive juices oh, there. He's like, maybe that doesn't want to give up anything no. like a compliment that, that really pumps you up and you're like, yeah, we'll see you next year. Yeah. And it was funny. There was actually an article that was sent to me either today or yesterday. Um, I think it was today. And, um, it was just an article about Brady and he was like, um, I always find it weird when people give me compliments. Um, like I'd, I'd almost huh. rather people, I'd almost rather people like make fun of me or say something mean to me because then that, that kind of gets him going a little bit more and, and, you know, it's, it's something a little different. And, um, but when people say, oh man, you're a great player, man. And, you know, he's like, oh, thanks. You know, and then doesn't really think about it. But when people, when people challenge him, uh, that excites him and that kind of gets him going. I think that's very common in a lot of, a lot of NFL players and especially quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, you know, you hear so much about the sort of the steep learning curve of a quarterback in the NFL, um, arguably the most um, important position in sports, um, not just football. Um, you didn't have a redshirt year, essentially. You had a redshirt year in college. You didn't have a redshirt year in the NFL. Do you feel like you were ready for that? What's your thought about someone that has that year yeah. to sit like Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes did and right. Carson Palmer did, didn't, didn't even play a down as a rookie for the Bengals. Aaron Rodgers sat three years behind Brett Favre versus thrown into the, into the mix as all of the other quarterbacks were in your draft class. All played, started as rookies. Right. Uh, I think it's becoming more and more popular. Uh, definitely. And, um, you know, with Andy Reid uh, kind of being more of that old school. Obviously, he does a lot of great stuff on offense. Um, not old school in that sense, but old school in the sense of, you know, I'm, I'm going to draft the quarterback this year, and Alex Smith is going to be the starter. And, you know, Mahomes, Alex Smith is a great guy, so I'm sure he was thinking, I'm going to have Pat Mahomes sit behind Alex Smith and learn a ton from, from Alex. And sure enough, it works out. And that was kind of the thinking when Carson played. and um you know, when, when guys like, you know, all, all the other guys were drafted, you know, they, they didn't play right away back in the day mm -hmm. um, when they were drafted high. Um, and, you know, I had a conversation with Bill Parcells and um, he was always talking like, oh man, you, you know, get ready to play right away, but, but also be ready to deal with some adversity because the league's, the league's a different animal. And um, so I think for me, um, getting, getting the play right away, I think there's nothing like um, the real experience of a game and an experience of work week um, and preparing. And I think this year there's, you know, obviously didn't have the record that we wanted, but I think there's so much that I learned from this year and, you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I mean, um, a lot of lessons, um, you know, a lot of lessons that I learned and I'm just very thankful for, for all the people that were there to help me throughout the process, especially Josh McCown. Um, he did a great job. And then, you know, coach Bates and, um, Mick Lombardi, Davis Webb, all these guys that, that were in the quarterback room every single day, helping me learn, helping me grow and, and understanding that, you know, I wasn't going to be perfect and, you know, there were going to be a lot of ups and downs. Um, but with that, there was going to be a lot of times where, you know, you would watch me play and I'd throw a touchdown and you'd be like, yes, that's exactly what we talked about in the meeting. And that carried over to the field. And I think those moments are what drives these coaches to continue to coach all these years. And, um, and for me, it, it's really what drives me to play mm -hmm. is, you know, maybe not being able to make that throw one day and then two weeks later after working on it for two straight weeks, you're able to make that throw. And I think that's just that continual process. And, um, you know, real quick, I met Drew Brees mm -hmm. at, um, at the Super Bowl and 
he is like the epitome of hard work and work work ethic. Yeah. Um, it's insane. And, um, you know, for to just talk to Drew about kind of his process and, and how serious he takes it. Um, it was really eye opening to me. Honestly, it was like, Oh man, you know, I've, you know, obviously, you know, you want to take a break, um, which he does as well. He, you know, he spends a lot of time with his family. He goes hunting every now and then. And, um, there's ways that he gets his mind off, off of football, but he's like, man, once I'm done with that, you know, it's, it's right back into it. And so, I think it's important, obviously, to take a take a break, like I just said. But man, it's um, there's so many guys that work really, really hard in this league, just like any other profession, uh, whether it's business, um, the tech world, all this, you know, all these different worlds that people live in. Um, it's so competitive everywhere. Mm-hmm. Everyone's trying to be the best, and um, there's always going to be, um, you know, <clears throat> there's there's always going to be another level of how hard you can work. Sure. And, um, but for me, I think there's, there's comfort, you know, obviously I'm going to continue to try to work hard and work as hard as I can. But I think with the way I was raised and again, the help of my parents, like, you know, I'm very comfortable knowing that I've done the best that I can. And, you know, John Wynn's definition of success, you know, kind of sums it up. Mm -hmm. And, Um, peace of mind yeah and i've it's really i have the peace of mind knowing that i gave it all i could yeah and and i think you know after every single game whether i won whether i lost i know that i gave it 100 percent, and that's really um kind of something that drew breeze had touched on and i was like man that's that's spot on and it's exactly what i believe and exactly what i'm going to continue continue to to believe and and the the next step of leading is trying to get your your fellow teammates to to believe in that as well. And what was that like? Like stepping into a huddle yeah. and having grown yeah. men around you with kids and like this was a obviously this is their livelihood profession and it's probably another level Definitely. in terms of how serious they are. And so again, you 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 not only didn't have a redshirt year, but you gave up two years of college. I would okay point that out as people say, well, don't so skipped his, you know, his last year called you skipped two years. So you were really on an accelerated curve. So when you finally got in the huddle, what, what was that like? And what did you, had you expected to be like and how to go? A lot of ups and downs, uh, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of guys, you know, getting on me, a lot of linemen getting on me, receivers. Hey man, this is where I want the ball. You know, why didn't you throw it? Like, I was like, oh man, I'm so sorry. Like, cause you know, being the nice guy all right, the time. Right. Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh man, you know, uh, I, I tried to, to to throw it on time, and my feet were just jacked up, and um, I was like, man, I, I felt some pressure to the left, and then the left tackle would step in, and left guard would be like, what do you mean you felt pressure? What? How? I, there was no pressure. And would this be like on the sidelines after a series, or we're not um, talking about during the game? No, this right? is not, like in the huddle. Oh, in the huddle. This would be in the huddle, maybe. Um, but I'm talking, I'm talking about practice right now. Okay. Um, just like kind of those first, you know, in training camp. Um, when people were starting to figure out like, okay, this kid's getting first team reps. Um, I think they're going to try to start him week one. And so they were, you know, they were, they were pushing me, you know, kind of seeing what I was about and, um, how I was going to hold myself. And I thought I did a good job. I mean, um, but at the end of the day, you know, I was, um, you know, you kind of have to step out of that, that comfort zone. And, um, as you know, a lot of people like to say, you gotta, you gotta be very comfortable being uncomfortable right. and 
um, I think that's that's something that I'm trying to c- continue to get better at. And um, whether it's public speaking, like coming to your class tonight, um, you know, that at one point, uh, probably a year ago, that was really, really hard for me but to be to be doing that. And I remember when I did it with uh, Lee Jenkins. Jenkins right. Yeah. You, you, you guys were up there and um, you're like, hey, just stop by, say hi. And um, in the back of my head, I'm like, ah, oh, he's going to make me come up there and talk a little bit. So. uh <laughs> So I was like, all right, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to go in and, and I'm going to give it a shot, you know, and I think that's, (laughs) that's kind of, you know, how, how I've lived my life and how I'm just going to continue to try to live my life as man. I'm just going to be yourself, be myself, be comfortable in my skin, but also just take as many shots as I can, you know? Um, yeah, you know, I was (laughs) like, literally I was every single time I touched the basketball in high school. You know, I never saw a shot that I didn't like. Mm-hmm, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, as, as I like to say, um, you know, you, you don't make, you know, you miss 100% of the shots that you don't, you don't take. take. Right. So that's, you know, that was kind of my philosophy growing up playing basketball. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think it's very similar kind of just in life and, and all these lessons that I, um, that I've gone through so far and, you know, being a professional and kind of stepping into the huddle with 30 year old men who have families and, um, they're actually trying to put food on the table for their kids. And that's a different type of pressure that I've never felt before. Yeah. Because these are people that could get cut at any time With during that, the season. And to make the combine and interview process a little more stressful, you're talking to these probably, you know, 50, 60 year old owners and more importantly, GMs and coaches that's job, their job is on the line with this pick. Right. You know, and to be able to realize that for me and, and feel comfortable and comfortable enough in my own skin to just be like, okay, I'm, you know, it is what it is at the end of the right. day. And I'm just going to go out there and give it, give it the best I can because at the you know, it's, it's about, you know, kind of, again, finding that peace of mind, knowing that I gave it all I, that I could. I'm so glad you, you kept those, those uh, lessons learned from, yeah. from Coach Wooden. <laughs> that means a lot. Um, well, it stems from granny too. Right. She loved him. Yeah, that's she right. She loved John Wooden and, she always kind of passed his, um, and she never even, <laughs> she never even really quoted him. Uh, she plagiarized all of his work. And, uh, <laughs> so she was, uh, I think the wooden family for, for forgives her. For yeah, that, exactly. Sure. She was always yeah. kind of telling us these lessons and then sure enough, she hands me a book in, in high school and I start reading it a little bit. Um, not a, I didn't like reading at all, to be honest, in high school. And, um, I read a little bit of the book and I was like, oh, okay, you know, some of this stuff looks familiar. I don't know from where. Um, and then sure enough, I'm in your class in college and I'm like, my granny, you know, granny, you literally talked about John Wooden. Um, she's like, yeah, you know, I, I like this stuff. And I was like, you stole his ideas. Like, <laughs> and she was like, you know, it's, um, that's okay. You know, you, you learn from the best and you take, you know, you take their advice and you run with it. And I was like, sure. All right. Coach would, be, would be pleased to know that, <laughs> it, that, that it was passed down to you mm-hmm. and you've done so well with it. Um, uh, I'm, I'm curious, I, I mentioned the, uh, well, back to the Jets, you, your, your exit interview as you were completing the season, your last game, uh, the Jets wanted you to be part of the hiring process, whether it was via FaceTime or Skype or even coming back there if necessary. Uh, but they wanted you to weigh in, which must've made you feel good that like you were a central part of their thought process going forward. And how, how did that go as far as your role in, in ultimately making the decision to hire Adam Gaze? Sure. Uh, 
it was uh, it was unlike anything that I've done. I mean, I've never because I've never been part of a hiring process, right. and it, it was interesting because during the combine and all the you know all those interviews, you're trying to give the best version of yourself for these coaches, and you're answering questions, and you know you're being you're being interviewed. And for me, I was kind of stepping onto the other side during this process, this off season, and going asking these coaches like what. What type of culture do you want to bring to this team? You know, what, um, you know, who, who's the defense coordinator? Who's the offense coordinator you're looking to bring in? You know, kind of seeing their answers. What kind of offense do you want to run? Is it going to be fast-paced? Do you want to slow things down? How, how do we want to do things? And, um, you know, to just be on the other side of it. And honestly, you know, it was, it was stressful. It was very stressful just to try to, and, you know, uh, just try to give my feedback um, as, as best I could to, to, uh, to explain to, you know, the GM, uh, Mike McCagnan and, and all the guys that, you know, we work with, you know, Christopher Johnson, you know, kind of all the things that, you know, I think are important, uh, in a head coach. Um, and, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't the last say obviously right, in the head right, coaching right. decision, but, um, you know, I think they, they, uh, valued my opinion and, you know, I'm really, really happy about, you know, Coach Gase and everything that he's accomplished in the past. But I think he's, you know, with what he did with Miami, you know, some of the plays that he was running, you know, how, how um, just how they ran their offense in general, uh, to put it simply. I mean, it was it was awesome to be able to watch from the sideline a couple couple times this year. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just really, really looking forward to him. And I think what's cool about Coach Gase and um and also Greg Williams, who was hired as the defensive coordinator, is they bring so much passion and energy to the game. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, I think that becomes very, very contagious. Uh, and I think it's something that we need as a young team. Um, we need people who are going to come in here and, and bring energy every single day and, and love coming to work. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very important. I think, um, I think it's going to be for the better for our team. And I think we're going to win a lot of games in the future. He... Um, Adam Gaze coached uh, Peyton Manning. You have a connection to Peyton Manning. You attended the, the Manning Passing Academy. Mm-hmm. Have you had a chance to talk to Peyton? And I wonder about that dynamic must be yeah. pretty um, encouraging just to know you've got that kind right. of a connection with an all-time great. Right. I haven't gotten a chance to, to talk to Peyton. Um, I'm sure you know I'll get a chance this, some, sometime this offseason, but um, you know it's interesting when you know, um, Peyton was making all those signals and checking at the line of scrimmage. That was usually Gase in his ear, um, telling him. And Peyton's a great player, great, great player, obviously, and um, very smart. You know, would study more than anyone on the field and mm-hmm. at all times. And, but you know, Gase would be like, "Hey, you know, you got cover two here. You got drag slant. You got double slant on the on this side. And um, if it's too high, work double slant. If it's one high, work you know, um, the other side." And I think. You know, um, Peyton, you know, doing his thing, Omaha, Omaha, yeah, checking, just checking one thinking. side Omaha, and, right. and checking to the left side and all these things. But I think it was cool to hear those stories from Coach Gase himself um, to be able to understand exactly, you know, kind of, um, you know, how we want to communicate. Because I think that's be- become a lot more popular. You know, Kansas City does it. Um, really, I think, you know, every team's starting to do it. You know, they're starting to use tempo, you know, get to the line of scrimmage and, and be able to you know, snap the ball right away and then use a dummy cadence and be able to, you know, talk to your quarterback and say, hey, this is what we want. This is what, you know, I see right now. Get to this, this, and this. And, um, 
you know, I think it's just, it's going to be really fun. And, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. As you can tell, I'm pretty mm-hmm. pumped up, pumped up about it. Um, so I'm just, I'm really excited about, you know, Coach Gase and, and all that he can bring. Did he check all the boxes for you when you, and then considering the other candidates that were, were out there, when, when you, when you got through talking to him, were, were, were you pretty convinced yes. that this was the guy? Yeah. Um, you know, Coach Gase is, um, you know, obviously there are great candidates. Um, you know, there was a moment where I, you know, had to think and really process, you know, okay, um, I like this guy, but, you know, I, I, you know, this guy's good in this area, but not so good in, in this area. Um, and then, you know, with Coach Gase, it was like, hey, uh, I can't really find anything that bad about him. Um, and for him, like, even just talking to him, like, he's such a cool dude. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just a normal guy. He wants to communicate with his players. He wants his players to communicate with him. And I think that's very important um, in building a team because um, at the end of the day, um, it's our team. It's the players' team. And, um, you know, we, um, as players, we, we want to win. No one wants to lose or, or do bad because at the end of the day, um, whether you're playing um, whether you're playing for the love of the game or whether you're playing just to get paid, um, winning solves all those issues mm-hmm. and, and cures everything. So it's just, it's, it's really fun to, um, to be able to have a guy like coach Gase in there, um, and, and be wanting to communicate with his, with his players. And I think it's going to be really helpful. I think for us too, like I said, as a young team, uh, to be able to talk to him about all, all the things that we see with our team and sure. all the problems that, that we might have and how we can fix them. So as serious as the whole thing is playing at this level and, and what's on, on the line and, you know, professional sports is such a big business, but there's another part of it is too, there's this laid back California chill kid from San Clemente. He goes back to New York city <laughs> and oh, wow. You know, Broadway, Sam, um, <laughs> Um, I, I, do you, do you feel like you yeah. have a, have a, have that New York state of mind yeah. yet? Um, um how, how did that, how did that go? The assimilating into the culture. Right. So New York's different, very different. Um, but what I, what I tell people all the time is I'm in New Jersey and I'm an hour away from the city. Um, you know, just like San Clemente is an hour away from LA. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm in this Jersey town that's very rural, very, very calm. Um, and, you know, the people there are so genuine, so nice. And I have my spots I like to go eat. And whenever I go in there by myself, I'll get, you know, a sandwich at my favorite deli shop. Um, Got any and- good uh, taco shops yet? <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple good Mexican restaurants, actually. Um, mm. I haven't been to them yet. But, uh, but Rex Ryan, uh, like, had this amazing Mexican restaurant that, you know, he swore by, so, um, I might have to Sometimes check that I'm not out. surprised, but yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but no, so, uh, yeah, Jersey, Jersey's amazing. Um, it's, it's awesome because it's a really cool, it's just really cool to be able to have Jersey, um, where I live and I live right by the facility. I live like a minute drive away from the facility, which is very convenient all the time. Um, in this nice apartment complex, which is very catering to, to, you know, what we need as, as players and, um they've they've been awesome and um but it's just you know if i want to have quiet time and and i want to relax and i need to get work done i'm i'm great where i am um but if i want to go out to 
you know, a nice dinner, you know, maybe have a night out with some friends or, um, you know, just hang out in the city than I can. It's only an hour away. So it's, it's a very nice, um, it's good. I, I like, I like where I'm at. Um, cause it's not, it's not too close to the city. Um, but it's not, not that far away either. What's been the reaction when you've gone into the city? Is it where you are approached or recognized all the time or not necessarily? How yeah, did that, how is that versus what you thought it would be? So for me, I mean, I thought, you know, right from the get, I'd be like, man, people are going to recognize me all the time. I'm, you know, I'm the new, you know, Jets quarterback, whatever. And, <laughs> and, uh, you know, whenever, whenever I go into the city, it's just, you know, no one really notices me and it's awesome. I wonder you know, if that'll it's, change. It's, yeah. I wonder if maybe, that'll change. Maybe. But, uh, no, it's, it's been awesome so far. I mean, just, uh, it's funny. So we actually, me and my family, we went to, um, you know, Rockefeller center, mm -hmm. um, for Christmas Eve mm -hmm. and it was packed. I've never seen anything like it was a zoo. Um, you know, it was shoulder to shoulder with somebody at all times. Um, it was just insane. People late last minute, uh, Christmas shopping and, um, you know, seeing that tree that, you know, I saw an elf a thousand times growing up. Um, it was, it was really cool to just be able to experience that. And I did not get recognized once the whole time. And we were walking around. Well, I would have lost that um, bet. I, I thought how I had a hat I saw... on though, Okay, but that might, you know, I don't know how much that has to, you know, that plays into it, but, um, yeah. So I was just walking around casually with my family and, you know, uh, going to shops, checking out, just checking out the city and went to a nice restaurant. Um, that's when a couple of people recognized me. Um, but you know, walking around, no one noticed me. I think the cool thing about New York too, is everyone just has their head down and they're doing what they, what they're doing. Um, everyone in New York is so much, it's so much more fast paced than LA. Right. It's insane. Um, and I like, um, I think the, the best description of New York versus LA is the traffic. Um, because in New York, people don't think they're stuck in traffic. <laughs> people are honking, uh, bobbing, weaving, you know, down the street and you Zip know, through the crosswalks. It's super crazy at times. It's very crazy. And I, you know, every time I go to the city, I feel like I, I can possibly see three or four car accidents and, um, you know, it's, it's insane. And then LA, it's just, people are stuck in traffic and they know it and they're just going to sit there, you know, and they just move right along, you know, kind of at a slow pace. And, um, so I think that's like kind of the, you know, the biggest difference. And I think the best example that I could give, you know, New York versus LA is the people are, they just, in New York, people just want to go, go, right. go, go. I need to get to where I'm going. I don't care who's in the way. Right. And then LA is like, uh, I'm cool. You know, I'm chill. If I, I can just sit here in traffic and, you know, I'll be home in, in a couple hours, but that'll be fine. You know, I'll be able to have a nice dinner with my family and, uh, that'll be that. So, um, but New York is just, you know, go, go, go. And then, um, you, you root know, for the New York teams. Did you get yeah. into the, whether yeah. it was Yankees or did you have a favorite or root from all or, um, yeah. So for me, I mean, um, technically I'm supposed to like the Mets, I guess, cause I'm a jet, yeah. uh, you know, it's kind of like Yankees, giants, uh, Mets, jets. And, um, and then along with, you know, the New York jets and the Mets, it's the devils, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the Rangers are with, you know, the giants and Yankees crew. Okay. Um, but I've, I've been to a couple Rangers games. Um, I love watching hockey live. I think it's one of the cooler sports to watch live and in person. Mm -hmm. um, so I've been able to go to a couple Rangers games at MSG. 
And I think, you know, that's kind of my New York theme right now. Um, I had a buddy, um, Ron Baker, who was on the Knicks for a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. played at Wichita State. Wichita State, right. And, um, and so, but he actually, he actually just uh, got released by them. And so, I don't know if the Knicks are my favorite team anymore, but uh, <laughs> but uh, no, it's uh, it's been fun just just being in New York and and there's so much buzz like I like I mentioned earlier and so passionate about their teams. Yeah, everyone's so passionate about everything, <laughs> you know, whether it's going to work or food, food like it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, but it it's an it's a really good crazy, and you know it's something that I could definitely get used to. Yeah, that's great. Uh, we get a chance to spend much time at the beach, beach house in San Clemente. Oh yeah, this off season definitely, definitely gonna, definitely got to go back there and hang out and um, catch my breath a little bit. So I'm really looking forward to that, and um, it's super nice too. It was super nice today. I mean, yeah, it was a little cold, uh, but you know, right after it rains, it's always so clear. Um, you know, I could just you know step out on my porch and see Catalina uh, right. right there, and then even. It was so clear. I was able to see San Clemente Island, which is wow. a little more far out um, than Catalina, but it was a beautiful day today. And um, looking forward to some more of those this summer uh, as it starts to warm up. Sure. I'm sure it's going to be a, it's going to be a fun time. Have you thought about a, a Sam Darnold Foundation? Have you given much thought to that part of your life, and if so, what that might look like? Yeah, um, I haven't thought about um, my foundation personally, uh, but I have given back in, in various ways. Um, you know, I, I support and will always support Nigu. It's never, ever give up. Mm-hmm. It's uh, excuse me. It's the Jesse Reese foundation, um, for childhood cancer. And what they do is, um, they just, they go and encourage kids to never, ever give up. And, um, they raise money to try to find cures for cancer. Um, but in the meantime, they, they like to go around in hospitals. And this is what I do is I go around to hospitals every now and then. And, um, children's hospitals and they have these joy jars um, which they you know which are awesome I mean just stuff to the brim with toys um, you know we tell the kids you know if if the if the jar isn't stacked completely full and you find some air in the jar then you can get mad at us and even throw the jar away so um, so we always like to try to stack the, the jars as, as full as we can and um, the kids love them um, because the idea behind it was and the the girl Jesse Reese the Reese family lives in Newport Beach. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesse passed away um, very sadly when she was I think eleven. Um, I'm actually gosh, it was when she was really young. Um, she passed away from cancer and um, she always said, you know I, you know whether we find a cure or not, that's great. But in the meantime, let's let's try to put a smile on these kids' face because cancer sucks. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that was what we that's you know kind of the idea behind it and. Um, you know, yeah, the foundation raises, you know, raises money to, to try, continue to try to find a cure. Um, but it's really built on these joy jars and, you know, kind of, um, you know, helping these, helping these kids, um, just find a little bit of joy in their life. Um, because, you know, and it, it really does give you perspective in, into life and, um, and it's really fun to be able to go there, spend time with the kids, see them smile, um, just to be able to see them. Mile. I mean, so everyone. When we when when I go to hospitals, the nurses and and all the people that are there, they always thank me for my time. And um, you have no idea how much this means and all those things. And then I'm just like, I I think this helps me more than anyone else. You yeah, know, it's that's just great. it really gives you perspective into you know the different lives that people live. And um, 
the different journeys that we're on. And, um, I think it's, it's, um, yeah, it just gives you a different perspective and it, it makes you very grateful for, for the life that, that we do have. Hey Sam, I know you'll do continue to do great things on the field and off the field. You've impacted, um, a lot of people already. You'll continue to do that. Can't thank you enough for taking for sure. the time to do this. For sure. Um, it means a lot. And, um, I just wish you nothing but the best. Can't wait to watch you in uh, year two of your journey. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate you having me. Awesome. Thank you. Sam Darnold.